to Dynamite Neddy, or should I say, Greetings Travellers and welcome to Dungeons and Dafties. We've got one of our wee D&D episodes on the go for you today, although it's not, I should say, a role-playing episode is mere apt. But the voice you're hearing just now is myself, Mick Clockerty. Uh, joining me, as always, we have Mr <laughs> Mick McCormick. Hello. Uh, and Mr Andy Mack. Come in the side. And, as a... Special guest, for the first time in a good wee while, friend of the podcast, and today's sort of DM, we have Mr. Leo Glaster. Good evening. <laughs> Going for a wee bit of the Vincent Price there. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm getting into, I'm getting into character. <laughs> um, Let's see if you can keep this up all night. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, as alluded to, we're playing, if you remember your old fighting fantasy books, the true heads out there will know. They were like, choose your own adventure books. You could play them while you were having a shite. Roll wee dice and that, fight monsters. They built a role-playing game out of that, which Leo has learned and kindly offered to take us through on a, an episode of Dynamite and Eddie, just to tide you over until the Fitpa special comes out. So, Leo, do you want to take it for here? Explain the game and whatnot? Yep, thank you very much. So, yeah, like you said, this is a tabletop role-playing game based on the fighting fantasy game books from the 80s they made steve jackson and Ian livingston tried to make a tabletop role-playing game out of it in the 80s but it wasn't very well received because they were very good at writing single-player game books but didn't really understand how to balance a tabletop role-playing game properly um so a guy called graham botley in about i think about 10 years ago uh took all the materials and rewrote it as a new role-playing game system which we're gonna try playing with today we'll get into it pretty sharpish i'll not say too much about the way the rules work uh it's all dice rolling the way role-playing games normally go and it's a pretty sort of cut and dry fantasy setting the world of fighting fantasy is set in a world called titan which um eons ago was ruled by various gods the gods had a war and destroyed the world almost and then left it and then over the following kind of thousands of years humans and other races sort of took over the world built a civilization and then they people started to learn magic and then the people that started to learn magic started having a war there was another massive war between loads of wizards which destroyed the world again and then about a thousand years after that civilization started rebuilding itself again in this kind of fractured world so it's a kind of faintly post-apocalyptic but also very kind of high fantasy setting so our uh, journey today will be taking place on the continent of alansia for anybody that knows about the fight fantasy world or wants to go and look it up and we'll get to it in a minute but i thought first of all we should probably meet our characters so if i can get you maybe starting with you uh, mick clockety if i can get you all to go around introduce your characters tell us their name Tell us what their deal is, and if you wouldn't mind as well, tell us what their home is like and what they are doing at home at the moment. Ah, right, okay. Well, you've got. I went for a. I went for a good dynamite Neddy reference for my character name. So I am a minotaur called Bernie Frankenstein. My my guy is a union rep, so he'll be along on the adventure. Just to represent the boys and their dealings. Also to make sure that the dungeons we're going into and are up to safety requirements. Get any <laughs> grievous injuries in the in the accident book and things like that. I would say Bernie's home is quite humble. He's no a he's a political man, he's no he's no a corrupt union official. So he's got a 
probably a modest homestead where he's he's currently reading I don't know some radical literature, maybe smoking a, a Karl Marx type pipe, opium, maybe tobacco, I don't know, and having a mug of ale. There you go. So I'll be playing as a goblin known as Michel Visage, which is a, ref- a RuPaul's Drag Race reference, which may not play very well to the audience, <laughs> but I mean, for, for reasons um, <laughs> for, for reasons which you might gather uh, based on the character, um, I've chosen this name. Michelle is a, a goblin trader of mysterious origin in ill repute. His specialty is the buying and selling of rare and occasionally magical masks, and as well as um, buying and selling these masks, often considered contraband um, in, in various places that he goes to. He has also, with the, over the course of his career, learned uh, the manipulation and occasionally curation of some of these masks. Um, he creates masks that have particular magical powers um, which can be bestowed upon the user, which he's kind of gathered just from sort of reverse engineering these, these strange and wonderful artifacts that he's, he's spent his life trading. Um, his fascination with masks is second only to his love of money. He's a gift for illusion magic, just gets some minor magic, um, no no kind of all powerful wizard stuff. He mostly just uses it to kind of confuse and swindle people. And he's got a, a real knack for just escaping sticky situations, which I'm sure we'll find ourselves in at some point in the, the campaign. Michelle lives um, in a, a, a kind of small alley off a side street in a city, in the kind of the rougher parts of town. Um, you might not even know that it is a as a house. It's not really got a, a kind of a nice entrance or anything. But once you kind of poke your way in, you'll find a kind of a real sort of hodgepodge of like just piles of uh, books on arcane subjects. A kind of workbench with tools. Um, these kind of strange and freaky masks kind of strewn around the place. Everything's at kind of odd angles, and it's it looks completely. It looks like a complete tip, but it's actually like a very a finely tuned sort of organisational system that only Michelle understands. See, I, I, I'm pretty sure I ended up there after World Up one weekend. <laughs> sure, the namesake was on Big Brother, and it was a fucking disaster. She, does she know? Was she not like married to a mob boss or something? She's not a very nice person. I just like the I just, I just like the word visage because it means it means face. <laughs> so you know, it's a good a good kind of illusional's name, isn't it? Aye. <laughs> well, my guy's more infamous and famous day. To be honest, uh, my guy's uh, well, he's he was originally known as Electrificasaya Vinogradov, Russian uh, sailor. <laughs> uh, he had a dream of escaping uh, Russian communism, and uh, it was in a dream of obviously the capitalist illusion that you can make yourself anything. And when he got here, he didn't find anything of this what he was expecting. Instead, they found Greenock, um, which uh, obviously there's not much Russian speaking in Greenock. Um, it kind of fell to the bottom of society after trying various jobs, and eventually he just fucking chucked it in. Uh, Decided to steal a wee manky lane. He couldn't fill out any forms or anything like that for housing or healthcare or anything like that, so he stayed in this wee manky lane with the same jumper he came with on, the same pants, and the Soviet Union wouldn't need to worry about punishing him because he's in his own personal hell on a wee lane called Scotch Lane. And it became a sort of cryptozoology um, feature over the years um, after a young team known as the Strone Mob cut his tongue out in the 1960s. And since then, um, they also uh, buckled his kneecaps as well, so he's got to kind of crawl about all the time. We call him Catman now. I'm a cat person. Um, 
and he's basically he doesn't know how to do much. Um, he was a sailor by trade, but he learnt how to take out like, other uh, pirates um, on the seven seas back in the day. Um, so he uses a club to do that, and he's get uh, he's sorry he's uh, equipment isn't he? That's special either. He made a kind of backpack out of kind of uh, chippy apples and stuff. <laughs> Aye, that's that's about it. Andy, I'm assuming at some point, right, that Catman stumbled across some sort of portal into the fantasy world of fighting <laughs> fantasy, and, su- and subsequently, like, learned how to use his legs, and also had like quite significant um, upgrade in like strength, stamina, and important status for adventuring. Is Wait, that is, is that the case? But it, it is one of the reasons why he left the Soviet Union was he was too lazy for communism, so he can actually do all these things. But he's got to be like, his life's got to be in danger. <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of these sort of communities and, and civilizations in the world of Titan are quite insular, and will come up with their own names for the places that aren't that aren't the sort of globally accepted ones. So places like, uh, like Russia and Greenock, in terms like the Soviet Union, have meaning to some people in some parts of the world, but may not in others. Aye, this is this is how you know you're dealing with a top quality DM here. I know that here that was that's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to play this game. I'm going to try my best, though. That's all. That's all we can ask of you, Andy. That's all we can ask of any of you. Um, and so am I. <laughs> um, okay. So perfect. Thank you very much, uh, Bernie, Michelle, and uh, so you're just going by Catman. I am. That's wonderful to hear. Okay. So without further ado, then we'll get started. Um, I am going to attempt to do voices. So please. Be prepared for that. Yes. Okay. So each of you is in your home, just doing whatever it is that you're doing. Bernie, you're reading your uh, radical literature. Uh, Michelle is organising his things, his various knickknacks and uh, and uh, accoutrement in his in his sort of little uh, hovel. And Catman is presumably sort of lying on the floor, or or doing whatever Catman is, whatever Catman is doing. <laughs> Each of you hears the sounds of footsteps outside, but they're unusual footsteps. They're a kind of padding sound, kind of quite sort of a bit like the sound of a dog, but a lot sort of heavier and thumpier than you might imagine a dog to be, and moving very very quickly. The sound reaches right outside of your door, and you hear a soft kind of. <laughs> thump noise and then the footsteps run off again uh, into the distance until you can't hear them anymore would what would you like to do well i suppose i would i would go outside and investigate just because it might be you know it might be one of these there might be a dog man out there or a cat man or one of these fantasy creatures it's, it's been injured so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the front door uh, and just check that that nobody's in trouble. Uh, is everyone else going to go outside and look as well? I, I I'll go with him. I... <laughs> yep. As as I say kind of quietly to myself, oh, a visitor for the peddler of masks. Oh, what, could this, what could this be? <laughs> and then open the door. Uh, okay, each of you opens your doors and sees on the ground not an injured fantasy creature or a visitor of any sort, but a letter which is sealed in. A rather nice-looking envelope, and written in quite nice calligraphy, is each of your names and your address. I'll I'll go to my kind of 
the work desk, I'll, I'll light a little oil lamp, pull out a, a sort of ornate looking letter opening knife, um, kind of cleverly open this this envelope and kind of um, inspect its contents. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume that all three of you potentially are willing to open the letter and read it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit fucking cagey about it. I'm in and sort of drawing the blinds, you know, like when Malcolm X was at the window with the assault rifle. I'm like, (laughs) who knows my whereabouts, but I will read it. Okay. The letter says, Dearest friend, you are cordially invited to the wedding of Captain Euphrikia Bamalama Nightjar and Estrella Dam on the 13th of (laughs) (laughs) August. Directions to reach the venue are included with this letter. We hope so much you will attend and celebrate with us. P.S. This invitation carries an enchantment and there is no need to RSVP. Please speak the words, I'd love to come, with the invitation in front of you, and we will add you to the list. If you don't, we'll add you to our other list. You don't want to be on that list. Kiss, kiss. Right. I've, I've got a question. Do they, they I know these people? So I was going to say, each of you, none of you is particularly surprised to receive this letter, because each of you is a friend of either Captain Euphrikia Bamalama Nightjar or Estrella Dam. It is up to you which one of them you're friends with and how you know them. But either way, you're not particularly surprised, but are quite pleased to receive this letter. I've got to remember, I'm a cat here, so I've got to think about these. which one of these people is going to prefer cats to dogs and vice versa. <laughs> I've faced such oppression before. Are these are, are these people like uh, nobility? Um, so Captain Euphrikia Babalama Nightjar is a pirate captain. And Estrella Dam is a priestess of uh, the god of storms, but she's also quite cool. I've okay. decided that, that my guy is pals with Estrella Dam because it is an easier name to remember. Uh, and I speak aloud, uh, I'd love to come. Perfect. The invitation sparkles faintly and then fades. I, I do the same. Estrella Dam, that sounds good to me. I can remember that. Um, I'd love to come, says Catman. Uh, I spent a, a long voyage across the sea on a, a trading journey with uh, with Captain Nature and um, shared a few body tales and we, we went on plenty of adventures together um, and yeah I guess it remembers me so yep I'll, I'll be I'll be attending. Perfect. Okay, so gathering your you need to set off quite quickly. So gathering your travelling essentials and your Sunday best, you each set off to attend the wedding. You all arrive at the destination in the directions at the same time. On arriving, you find yourselves in a clearing in a wood in front of a happy-looking inn standing alone close to a lush forest. The weather has gotten worse and worse as you've approached your destination, and the beginnings of a storm are now whipping up around you. The windows of the inn are aglow, and you can see the silhouettes of people inside and the sounds of music and revelry. Uh, Hello, uh, fellow travellers. Hello there. (laughs) Wouldst thou like a mug of ale uh, in this tavern? Now, Mick, is that how Bernie talks? Because you're going to have to commit to it. I mean, what is it appropriate? Is it appropriate for the time period? Well, the world's big, and there are lots of different. There are lots of different people. There are, but definitely working class people in the world of Titans. So you can you can feel free to adopt any dialect or tone that you that you choose. Right. Oh my brothers, let's go in here and get a couple of fucking beers in. Right. Aye. You lead the way, man. Oh, a beverage to, to dull the senses and soothe the soul. Oh, yes, sounds delightful. Do they let cats in here? Is that a question for me? Oh, are they cat friendly? They uh, cat you can cat? assume, yes. You've never had right, any problem right. getting in anywhere before. Oh, okay, okay, yep. So I walk in with my, my head held high. My, 
back actor I should just add um, doesn't get invited to very many weddings um, he's not like 100% sure on how you should dress to a wedding he's wearing like a kind of a purple uh, tuxedo jacket and uh, um, a top hat and like a pair of kind of baggy skater jeans with chains on them I'm, I'm, in the I'm in- shirt I'm impressed. This this is part of the reason I'm I'm wanting to to lump in with these guys. I'm going to buy a first round because I, I I like this fucking wee top hat cunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're you're going into the inn. So you push open the door. As soon as you enter the inn, the door slams shut behind you, and the illusion over the inn is instantly broken. Ah. <sighs> The building looks like it has been abandoned for years, and it reeks of death and decay. It is old, collapsing, and rotten. Outside, the storm has whipped up into a frenzy, and the windows of the inn have all been boarded over or smashed, and the wind whistles and moans through the cracks between the wood and the holes in the roof. Despite the damp rattling through the gaps and holes in the building, the whole place still smells powerfully of damp, rot, and decay. You know, I've got to say, um, I quite like what they've done with their place. Uh, I guess Captain Nature finally realised that that mask I sold him was a dud (laughs) I've I've heard about these places boys I think it's uh, what you call a secret bar it's like a hipster thing oh so do you think like we need to you know we need to like do a special knock on a door maybe like uh, open a um, say a secret uh, password or something, and then we Aye. get a Uber. You you say a, a special password, and then some cunt hands you a, a gin and tonic and a jam jar. Um, no, <laughs> no, a, no, a huge fan to be honest. Is the duty just playing John Cage's four minutes thirty three seconds on the? <laughs> <laughs> do we just start kicking about? I I, I maybe want a do a a skill kind of check thing here. I can tell you. Well, I can tell you a little more about the room that you're in. Go and then it, you can and you can make some decisions. So you appear to be in the main room, the bar and common room of the inn. It's seen better days. A huge fireplace sits dead against the wall. The bar is bare. The barrels behind smashed or rotting, and the tables and chairs are scattered, overturned, or broken. The ceiling has a huge chain hanging down, and the remnants of what may have been a spectacular iron chandelier hanging from it. Water falls from the ceiling as the storm outside seeps through the cracked and collapsing building. To the left of you is the bar. At the opposite end of the room to you, from left to right, are a flight of stairs leading up, two single doors, and one set of double doors. And beside you, slumped just inside the door, which you notice as you look around, is a dead body. I guess I'll, I'll leave it to these boys to, to rifle through the bar and see if there's a fucking expensive yeah. bottle of whiskey or something. I'm, I'm, I'm already rifling through the pockets of the dead body. Oh, really? I was <laughs> going to go and check if, if they were alright or a cause of death or something, being a, a caring just, soul. But I'm, I'm just having a wee sniffy dead body to see if there's any good bits. <laughs> <laughs> so you check it, you check, you're all checking out the dead body? Uh, I'll, I'll, check, I'll check the bar and I want to see if there's any any of the good stuff on the off chance that there, there might be a dusty bottle lying somewhere, wine or something like that. Okay, well, we'll do we'll do that first, and then we'll come back to Michelle and Catman. Okay, the bar has not seen use for a very long time. It's completely bare except for myriad unidentifiable stains and a few bits of broken glass. Behind the bar, you can see what remains of the liquor shelves, along with some broken, rotting barrels. And there is also a flight of stairs leading down. Is there any is there any liquor on this shelf? Do I find a, an unbroken bottle? 
you do see what appear to be two intact bottles of a nondescript dark liquid with no label right, on. Right. I'm I'm no I'm not going to start drinking them or anything, but I will I will pocket them into my supplies and then I guess just look over to see what's happening with the boys at the corpse. And meanwhile, Michelle and Catman are having a look at the body, which appears to be the body of a human man. He's been dead for a long time, and the corpse is rotting, uh, but its face is contorted into what looks like it would have been a scream. Uh, he's dressed in travelling clothes, uh, and has been stripped of anything of value, but Michelle, you said you were rifling through his pockets already. Yes. So you do find a letter in his pockets. Okay, so can I read this aloud to the to the group? Certainly. Um, so I'll... You'll be reading I'll read it, but you can read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Michelle, Michelle is reading this. The letter says, My dear Alof, you may remember those stories regarding the deserted inn north of here. It appears that Mother did indeed visit that inn shortly before she vanished. The owners must be long dead by now after all these years, but perhaps there will be some evidence there of what happened to her. If you're able to make the journey, please be safe. Yours, Albuk. Right. Interesting. I take it the exit or the, the entrance, the way we came in has been magically sealed some way. It, well, the door's shut behind you. I'm going to I'm going to think back to my my safety training. I want to check it for a trap, and then I want to try and open it. So you have, in terms of skills, you've got a trap master skill, I think. I like I like how mixed interpretation of that is like looking for dodgy wiring or like um, <laughs> like you know an unsteady ladder and that sort of thing. That's it. Of course, it makes sense that I would know these things. Um, <laughs> Do you have so any awareness I, special skill? I don't have awareness. I have a special skill called trap knowledge. Mm, okay, so what to do then? This is our first. This is really interesting. This is fun. That's our first skill check for anybody listening that wants to know how this game actually works. So what I'm going to ask Mick to do is make a trap knowledge skill check, which means that he's going to roll two d six and he is going to try and roll either equal to or less than his skill stat plus his trap knowledge stat, which what would that total be? That total would be 8. So I've got a skill of 7 and I've got a trap knowledge of 1. So let's roll 2d6 and try to get 8 or less. Well, uh, I've rolled an 11, uh, so quite a a big failure there. So as far as you can tell, uh, this place all looks kosher and up to code. It's all fine and you can't really see any sign of any danger. Right, in in which case it's it's past my fucking vigorous safety check, so I'm going to try and open the door. Okay. Uh, the door doesn't open. It won't budge. Well, we're we're staying here for the night. It looks like, boys. I've, I've got some. I've got some drink, mind you. The, the, there was a couple of bottles behind here. I, uh, but I need to do some sort of check on the liquor bef- before drinking it uh, to make sure that it's not poison. I mean, um, I don't think any of you have a skill that would apply to that so uh-huh. no All right. <laughs> you can sniff it if you want i've got i've got second sight can i see if there's like any sort of magical effect or magical tampering with this liquor there's nothing magical about the liquor no right okay i actually i'm quite intrigued by a liquor <laughs> right i take one of the bottles uncork it and pass it to my new pal Catman. <laughs> okay um i'm gonna i'm gonna abstain for now Okay, so I guess I'll, I'll have a drink of your liquor then. Just, you're going to drink the liquor? That's fine. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm watching him first to see how he takes it. <laughs> 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 
You are pleased to find, Catman, that it is a very tasty whiskey, which has somehow survived the decay that has affected the rest of the building. Ah. Um, Please give yourself one uh, additional point of luck. Okay, okay. Um, So while they're doing this, I'm going to try and inspect the door and see if if it looks to be locked kind of magically or or otherwise, just, uh, just a standard old... Standard old lock. Okay. Can you give me a second sight skill check? Uh, okay. My skill is five. My second sight is one, six. So, four. Okay. Um, so, you can tell that... You can't tell exactly what it is. And, in fact, you can't even tell vaguely what it is. But you do know that something outside of the realms of your knowledge is keeping this door shut. Ah, uh, so some magic magic trickery is afoot. That's I'm going to... the rest of the crowd. I'm going to shout. I'm going to say, hello, hi, we're trapped. Uh, Anybody there? So you do hear the sound of what might be a couple or more than one muffled voice. Where is it coming from? What sort of direction? It seems as though it might be coming from behind the two double doors directly ahead of you. Right. Lads, I think in these situations, splitting up is a fucking mugs game. I reckon we, we band together, we pull our resources and our talents, and we try to work out what's going on here. Aye. Sounds Fair good enough. to me. Aye, do you know what? I'll, I will approach the double doors and attempt to open them. Okay. The double doors swing open, and you see a room which looks like it was once the kitchen of the inn. It's a big room, it has its own fireplace, and the sheer number of cupboards, crates, and barrels tells you that it was no doubt once well stocked, but it now smells of rotting shit. <laughs> In the corner by the cold fire is a figure with their back turned to you, um, who slowly turns. They've got long matted hair casting their face into darkness. You can't really see their face. In one hand, they're holding a butcher's cleaver, and in the other hand is a long roasting skewer. He's wearing tattered clothes, and the apron he wears is rotten and covered in bloody stains. He doesn't look friendly. No. Are there such a thing in, in the, the continent of Alansia as, like, a, a friendly, sentient zombie people? Or would my character not be stupid enough to go, All right, mate, I, I, like, I like your skewer. Um, what, what's happening? <laughs> it's, it's not unheard of for there to be uh, undead that are capable of communicating. But any undead in general, by most people's standards, is to be treated with serious caution, if not utter disgust. What does dark seeing mean? Oh, it means you can see in the dark. Alright, okay, so I might be able to see this gentleman's face. Do you know, that's actually really fair. Um, he, You can see his face, he's human. He doesn't look like a zombie, his skin and his flesh aren't rotting. But his eyes are very sunken, they've uh, got huge shadows and bags under them, his teeth have all rotted away. Uh, his skin looks wrinkly and leathery, and he, he looks kind of, from what you can see of his eyes, he doesn't look like he's all there. I think, I think Catman's, I think Catman's possibly found the kindred spirit here. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he should, maybe he should try and engage with him. Maybe when the game's over, I'll maybe ask him to go back upstairs for a pint. <laughs> he's he's turned round and he is looking at you, but he hasn't done anything. Let's just let's just try and fucking talk to him. Why not? Wave, say how's it going, mate? Okay. Uh, he doesn't respond. He starts to shuffle towards you, and he moans, "Are you of the dead? Will you taunt me too?" 
and continues uh, heading towards you and does begin to raise his cleaver up into the air. Do you know what? Before this gets a bit nasty, um, we still have one bottle of liquor left. So we do. Well, I, I think you... you'll. I, I've got a bottle in my bag. and I, I don't think you quaff the full full bottle of whiskey. I think I think we're both just have a bottle of whiskey oh, on us. All right, so I've got, there's still plenty in this. Um, would it, I don't know if it'd be a, a viable thing to offer this guy a drink, maybe before he, he raises his cleaver, as he raises it. Um, this seems sensible to Bernie Frankenstein. I, I'm not. cordial offering. What, what are you going to say, Andy? Say, um, say, say fancy a swig, mate. He doesn't respond. He continues <laughs> shuffling towards you and raises his cleaver in one hand and his big skewer in the other hand. And as he does so, there's a rattling from behind him and two frying pans fly off the shelves and levitate towards him and hover about his head. Right. <laughs> Uh, it's time to get freaked out. That's that's thrown me a wee bit because if <laughs> if, if we were just dealing with a zombie, seems like he moves pretty slow. We could just like walk away film by the looks of things. But uh, I don't know about these levitating frying pans. Now no, I'm a wee bit worried. I don't know what what do we do here, boys? Are we getting into a scrap or what? Maybe we should have a look at if, if is there any way to look at the frying pans a bit more? See what, if there's anything we can do uh, is it. this what this maybe calls for another second sight is this a, a magic that I recognise that could be doing this telekinesis sort of part it, they're being animated by some sort of magic it looks like it's potentially necromantic but you're not you can't exactly tell for sure is it him that's doing it not as far as you can tell ah uh, okay I, I'm, I'm not convinced that this guy is necessarily all bad so I'm I'm going to again try to appeal to him and say, my good man, we mean you no harm. We we are a union of people. We would like you to join us, join our collective strength. Your woes are my woes. Uh, wh- what do you say, Mister Zombie? I would say, sir, are you being harangued by ghosts, perchance? <laughs> when you say that, he stops for a second and he looks at all three of you, and then he puts his hand to his head and he says, I just want them to leave me alone! And then he lunges at you with his cleaver. There's no way out and as I've got to engage. Yeah. But we've got to fucking help this zombie. He's got ghosts in his head. I think McCormick's got it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I would try to dodge out the way of the zombie. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily wanting to take a swing at him or anything. I, I just want to kind of get out his road and then see if I can get a wee second to suss out what's happening with these fucking flying frying pans. So you can make, sorry, uh, Bernie, take a straight up and down skill test um, to try and dodge out of the way of that. I don't dodge. Um, I've got a nine and my skill is seven. Uh, so his cleaver, uh, unfortunately, makes rather painful contact with your shoulder as you attempt to dodge out of the way. And he deals two points of stamina damage to Bernie. Oof, that was a Saurian. So you are now in combat. Well, now that he's fucking plugged me, I'm going to send this zombie back to fucking Ibrox. Um, I'm going to try and break his jaw. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll start a combat. So the way that combat's going to work, um, we do, as I say, uh, I said this off mic earlier on, but the way combat works is that everybody, all the players and the enemies secretly in my head will all declare what they want to do. 
uh, and then we will resolve it all at the same time. But there are certain orders that we do things in. So I don't think any of you fights with a ranged or a missile weapon, do you? No. So uh, that makes things a bit easier for us. So the first thing we do in combat is if anybody wants to, which I guess is only uh, Michelle who has this option, wants to use any magic, that's the first thing that we'll deal with. Uh, no, I'm just purely going to slash him with my knife. Right, okay. Um, so, Michelle, you're going to slash him with a knife. Bernie, you're going to attack the cook as well? Uh, specifically, I'm going to tan his jaw. I think I could punch, I think I could punch it clean off. And <laughs> what is Catman going to do? I'll go for a double dunter on the jaw. I'll get him his jaw to Everyone's on the jaw. Okay, so what I need you all to do, um, and so this is where things could get complicated but we will try to our best to stop it from getting complicated okay so the cook manages to score a hit against you michelle with his cleaver for two points of stamina damage okay ouch and the cook successfully defended himself against both catman and bernie's double jaw tannin attacks Oof. fuck and Damn. the animated frying pans also flew forward, one at Catman's head and one at Bernie's head, but neither of them managed to hit you. Phew. And we're back up at the top of the next round of combat. So that's the way combat's going to work, basically, as it goes organised in rounds in that way. Um, so, again, any magic to be used? Nope. I don't have any magic. Um, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Can I chuck the bottle of liquor at him since he refused my drink? I'll just chuck it at him. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually going to take a swig of mine uh, for a wee bit of Dutch courage. Okay, is that the same one that Catman had, or is that a different bottle? This is the different bottle. I passed Catman one bottle, and I kept one bottle in my possession. Okay, so yeah, you you take a swig of it. It is also a uh, pleasant taste in whiskey, and you uh, gain plus one luck. Way. I wonder if you take a drink of this every time it gives you a, a plus on your luck. <laughs> you try to find an exploit. <laughs> um, but so, all right, so that's that's fine. And Catman, so you're going to throw the bottle of the, the bottle at the cook. I've committed to it, so I, I will. Yeah, <laughs> rock didn't know, but I'll do it. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll do that first. Uh, roll two d six and add just your skill. Twelve. So, yep, the bottle hits him, it splashes all over him, and he goes... <laughs> he drops the skewer that he's holding. For my combat turn here, how how fly, how fly high up are the flying pans? Fly, frying? <laughs> flying frying <laughs> they pans? They are flying pans. <laughs> uh, they are head height. Right, I'm going to try and just rest one of these frying pans. I'm going to try and grab it and pull it to see what happens. Ooh, okay. Um, you've got strength as a special skill? Yep. So do a strength special skill check. So skill plus strength, roll 2d6 under that. I asked me, I like it. I've got a four. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so you grab one of the frying pans. Um, it quivers in your hand. You can feel it struggling to get away. For a minute, it seems like it's going to do that kind of like stop punching yourself thing where it like makes you hit yourself in the face. <laughs> but it, it doesn't quite manage to. And you are now holding one of the uh, flying frying pans, although it is still trying to get out of your hand. Right, interesting. What are, what are you boys doing this turn? Um, I'm going to go for your man's skewer and hold it in my other hand. You just want to pick it up? Yeah. Uh, okay, yep, yeah, I'll let you do that. But 
the cook is going to swipe at you with his cleaver while he does that. So I need you to make a combat roll. 16. Okay, yep. So you avoid getting hit by the cook. Um, the cleaver just goes over your head and you duck down and grab uh, his skewer, which you're now holding. Okay. And we're back up to the top of the combat round. Uh, the next round of combat. So, uh, Michelle, any magic? Uh, no, I've not really got combat magic, so I probably won't be using it in battle anyway. Okay, and anyone else got anything else they want to throw? Um, what a lot. I've got... Um, <laughs> Just empty your I've pockets. A lighter. I've got anything. 20 pence. You, you don't need to, it's okay, it's okay. You can just, you can just go in and, uh, and club him if you prefer. I, you know what, I know, um, he seems to be quite... He seems to be able to rebel kind of melee attacks if the first round is to end the go by, so... Um, can I, I've got equipment here. I don't know what a pestle and a mortar is. What's that? It's <laughs> <laughs> not much use in a fight. No, <laughs> right, much, it wouldn't be much good in a fight. It's for grinding nah, the herbs. Nah, nah, You've not really got enough data points here to say that he's good at combat. Nah. He's just did some good rolls. Alright, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll just whack him again, man. Okay, you're going to whack him. Bernie, what's Bernie doing? Right. I'm going a bit left field here. With this frying pan and my horns sort of wriggling about, I'm going to try and fucking charge run into the other room to see if that if, if it feels like a magnetic pull or something like that if it'll distract the other frying pan if I can get the ghost just concentrating on me so that's what I'm going to do uh-huh. right back out into the room that you came from yes okay uh, so I'm going to get you to do a strength check to force the frying pan out of the room uh, and actually the frying pan's going to be fighting against you so we'll make this basically a combat roll so if you just roll 2d6 plus skill plus strength. I'm going to need to get my calculator out. (laughs) 14. Okay, yep. You managed to charge out into the sort of main room of the hotel. And you do realise, you do sort of notice that although nothing changes, the frying pan does seem to kind of stop pulling quite as hard the further away it gets from the fight. It's something in the room levitating these frying pans about but yeah that's me okay um so that leaves uh yeah so catman and michelle still to make still to make moves so what are you gonna do um i'm gonna just take another slash but this time i'm gonna kind of try and put my back into it um is there some sort of way of uh, i've kind of possibly misread this can you kind of push a lock a bit to kind of make sure this one lands uh there is a way to use luck in combat yes um basically if you make a hit you can use luck to try and make it into a critical hit, or if you take damage, you can use luck to try and reduce the amount of damage that you've taken. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna just see how it goes first. See if I see if I hit him first. Okay. Um. So you're attacking the, the chef again. Yeah. With my knife. Roll two d six and add your skill and your knife. That is seventeen. Okay. Yeah. You make a hit on him. Um. And just before we do the damage, Cat uh, Andy, what's Catman gonna do? Um, I'll just go for a conventional whack. Same again. Okay, yep. uh, so 2d6 plus yep. your skill plus your club. 15. Okay, yep. So both of you managed to hit the cook this time. Um, so, alright, so Michelle and Catman have successfully rolled attacks against the cook. Um, so I would need you both to please roll a d6. So I'm going to push my luck here just to try and get right in amongst these vital organs. Okay, so that's just a straight up and down. Well, uh, what to do is roll damage first. Okay, uh, with a knife, that's two. 
two damage. Okay, yeah. so would you like to? Yeah, you can push your luck and. Ah, uh, you, you know what? I'll push. I'll, I'll push it if I get a bit. Is that is is pushing it a double? So you just have to roll two d six and get less, score less than your total luck. But this is something I actually meant to say up top. When you're testing your luck, luck is a finite resource. So every time you test your luck, whether you're successful or not, you reduce your total luck by one. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll test it then. Um, so I've got a a four, which is less than my luck of nine. Okay. So you deal four points of damage to the cook. And Andy, can you roll four? Four. Uh, with a club, four is two yeah. points of stamina damage. You cracked the cook good over the head there. He kind of um, skews to the side slightly. He's still standing, but he's kind of hunched over now and he's panting uh, and he's bleeding pretty heavily from his uh, from his nose and his jaw and he is not looking in a good way. Mm. And one of the frying pans uh, flies at your head, Catman, but uh, no. it misses. Okay. okay, so we're back up at the top of the next combat round. So Bernie is no longer in the combat, and neither is one of the frying pans. <laughs> um, right. So uh, we... Bernie, what are you doing? Are you just standing in the hall with the frying pan? I'm puffing on my pipe. Uh, study, study in the frying pan. Um, what, what I think I want to do is to take it even further away for the room. I, I might take it behind the bar and go down the stairs uh, to see if it stops moving entirely. Okay. Um, so you can take it behind the bar. Um, you won't get down the stairs before the, the next round of this combat is over. But you can take it behind the bar as you approach behind the bar, the frying pan starts to rattle in your hand much, much harder. Um, and it's now rattling as hard, if not more more vigorously than it was in the kitchen. Interesting. Right. Okay, I don't really... I'm shouting through. Boys, I, I thought I had it worked out. I don't really know what's going on with these <laughs> frying pans. Um, I, I, and I suppose that's my tub. Okay. Um... All right, so the cook is um, staggering and is not looking good, but he is nevertheless going to attempt to make another attack at Catman. Um, Catman, what do you want to do? Um, I got a reaction the last time. The, the the guy seems to be in a bit of a bad way now, but now it seems like the frying pan's offering the more kind of potent attack, so maybe attack the frying pan, the second frying pan. Yep, you can take the flying frying pan. Just want to swipe at the one in the in the air. Uh, and Michelle, what are you going to do? Um, so I'm going to take the skewer and um, attempt to just like shove it up his nostrils and in his brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So both of you then make combat rolls. So that's rolling two d six. Add your skill. I'll eventually stop telling you this every single time. Um, and add your uh, catman. Add your club skill. Um, Michelle, you don't have a skill with this type of weapon, so it would just be 2d6 plus your base skill. Alright, so I've got 11. 11. Uh, 20. <laughs> <laughs> what did you roll? A 6 and a 5. Right, okay, perfect. So, you uh, batter the frying pan onto the floor, uh, it clatters down, and then a second later flies back up into the air again. Oh, Jesus. That happens moments before Michelle shoves the skewer all the way into the cook's up the cook's nose and into his brain and out the other side of his skull. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be dead. 
the cook very suddenly stops moving and drops to the floor dead. And as it does, both frying pans also drop to the floor. Ah, right, okay, right. Okay, oh. so... Right, I, I'm going to run in and say, Guys, I, I killed the ghost! <laughs> <laughs> right, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> does, my, um, does my magical lore um, tell me of any sort of, you know, past past experiences of floating frying pans being attached to a, a corporeal body? What you know is that, in general, uh, an object that is flying around doing things has been either enchanted by someone for a specific purpose, or possibly you have seen it happen where objects have just been affected by kind of residual magic powers that are doing something else. Right, okay. Usually is the, the cause of it is a person, but you don't know much more about it than that. I want to check out the cook for any identifiers on them to see just before McCormick kebabbed them through the nut, I realised I should have tried to call him by the name that was on the letter, <laughs> old book or whatever. <laughs> um, so I want to new check if that was him. Okay, so you have a look at the cook. You can't see anything, any name tags or anything like that. He's not your driver's license. Yeah, driver's license <laughs> like that. He's not got his kind of key card to get in the building or anything like that. Um, what you do find is what appears to be half of a key split straight down the middle. Interesting. I'm going to hand it to my my, my new goblin pal Michelle um, as a. I think it's vaguely kind of mere his wheelhouse. Oh, a key! What which mystery? <laughs> which mystery could this unlock for us? Oh, we shall see. Yeah, but then I don't really do anything. Just kind of put it in my bag. <laughs> so you, chuck, you chuck half a key on your inventory. Um, so you're now standing in the kitchen. Um, the kitchen is a kitchen, as I said. Uh, everything's uh, rotten, um, and there's nothing else going on. So there's the door now behind you leading back into the main room. There is also, though, you notice a door at the other end of this room that looks like it's been sort of hastily uh, blocked up. Right. Boys, I know I said that we shouldn't have split up and then I immediately split up when it came to crunch time, <laughs> right? I was trying to work <laughs> something out. I think I think we should all muck together and carry on through the next door. Did the dungeon master say that the door might be kind of backed up, like blocked in some way? Yes. It looks as though it is, uh, but it's, you can, you know, it's up to do what you want to do about it. You're, you're standing at the other end of the room from it at the moment. Can I, can I hear anything behind the door? If you go up and press your goblin ear to the door, you actually can hear what sounds like muttering. Um, I've got a hear spell, which I'm going to cast to see if I can get anything from this, this muttering. Okay. Do you have to roll anything to cast that, or do you, can you just cast? Um, you roll your magic, but with a bonus of six because it is a minor spell. Okay. So I've rolled a four. My magic is four, but I guess four plus ten. So yes. Yeah, yeah. So you're fine. Okay. Um. So, I th- I think for that spell to work, you have to be within eye shot of the conversation. But um, I'm gonna say that given how close you are to it, um, it does work to some extent. Uh, okay. okay. And you do hear a voice. Um, say something uh, you only catch little snippets of the conversation but you hear something happening outside uh, what are they doing what are they doing uh, it's all starting again uh, it's all starting again 
<laughs> Interesting. Right. I I think this time I'm going to shout the name of Alof's. Was it his brother or something from the letter? Uh, so it's Alof's. Yeah, Alof was um, appeared to be the recipient of the letter, and it was written by someone called Albuck. Right. And what is the dead guy? I take it because he had the letter. Pardon? Oh no, sorry. Alof seems to be the. Yeah, Alf appears to be the, the person that had the letter who was the right. guy. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually say Alright mate, it's it's me Albuk, what's going on? There's nothing for a little bit, and then you hear some muttering again. Um which Michelle, your hair spell is still going on. You go, don't answer, don't answer, it's a trick. It's, <laughs> it's not a trick, it's really me, Albuk. Um I, I've came here. I came here to visit Alof. Alof's in a bad way. We're, we're lost. The pause again, and then there's some more muttering, and Michelle, you hear, who's Albuk? Ah. Oh. Oh, I don't know an Albuk. Right. This is a non-starter. Right, that's, that was my, my bright idea. Michelle, Catman, what you's got? Um, well, Albuk was looking for his, his mum. Um, maybe you could ask, inquire after her. I don't think that the person knows who Albuk is. Might know he's more. Uh, he doesn't know he's got. He doesn't know she's got a son. So yeah, maybe not. Wait, are we still just listening through the door here? Yeah, the doors kind of the doors kind of get stuff piled up against it, as if to kind of keep something out. If I had to get this door opened, um, could I, in some way, exert force on it? You could, yeah. You could roll a skill check, and if you have the strength skill, you could roll a strength check to try and sort of force it open. Right. Um, as he does this, I'm going to go and hide. Because I don't think I don't like what's on the other side of this door. No, I have um, obviously got a skill, but I don't have strength as a special skill. Okay, uh, in which case it would just be a straight up skill check. You don't have to in a situation like this though. Just to say, I don't want to overdirect, but there are certain things that you don't have to do alone. I've I've got the strength skill, so well. While uh, Michelle is away finding a nice wee hidey hole, I will I will muck in and, and help Catman lighten the load here. Right. Uh, so Catman, if you make a just a skill check, so just roll two yeah. d six and uh, Bernie a strength check. So that's thirteen. So oh so so this is uh, what we call an uncontested roll. So you're just trying to get less than your skill. So is your skill what is your skill seven? Yes. Yes. So that's fine. So you succeeded and Bernie, what did you get? Uh, my skill plus my strength is eight, and I rolled a four, so also a success. Yep. Yeah, so the door, with the two of you working together, the door actually pulls open without too much trouble. Gives a bit of resistance, and then it gives uh, gives way and swings open to reveal a small room at the back of the kitchen that looks like it might have been a storeroom at one time, um, and is uh, the back of it has been smashed in and then repaired, and there is now a group of hobgoblins. That have taken oh, up residence geez. here uh, look like they've oh. been using the unused room as a small hideout. They obviously nailed the door shut to make sure that the denizens didn't bother them too much. There are four goblin hobgoblins in total. Um, they're all sort of cowering in the back of the room. One of them is armed with a short bow, which he has knocked an arrow in and is uh, pointing at you, um, but his hand is shaking. Right. I've got to put my horns up and say, look, we're no... We're not goblin haters. One one of our guys is a goblin. He's just through there, honestly. Um, mean you no harm. I'm going to um, use my disguise skill here, um, and 
I, I, I'm going to assume that hobgoblins and goblins are reasonably similar looking. <laughs> um, I'm going to kid on that I'm a hobgoblin. If you all have got the uh, Facebook chat open, I'm going to send you a wee picture of a hobgoblin. Okay. I've seen it. It's half in front of a can in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bottle. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually yeah. It's a pretty that's a pretty good representation. <laughs> it's actually quite nice that as well. As we aye, 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 aye. Oh, he's a handsome wee fella. Quite like him, I quite like him. So say again, Michelle, what what it is that you're doing? So I, I don't know. I'm, this is possibly a bit of meta gaming here, right? My whole abilities, but my main ability thing is that this mask magic, right? But it takes like twenty four hours to prepare a mask, which I've obviously not going to have time to do in this adventure. Like, is there any chance that I had a hob? Is there any chance that I had, like, a, well, my mask is a, a disguise mask, basically, the mask of Mountain Bank. Is there any way I can just, like, whip out a mask, um, a hobgoblin mask that I kind of prepared earlier? Can I make these cunts think that I'm a hobgoblin? I don't see why not. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, I, I rustle about my backpack um, as I'm hiding, um, pull out this mask, which is vaguely a kind of vague wooden representation of a hobgoblin, uh, put it on, and then I kind of start morphing and changing my appearance and all of a sudden I appear exactly like a hobgoblin and then um, I go up to the door and I go got these two skulking around about here oh so we're doing a we're doing a Star Wars um, yes right. <laughs> be careful with that I mean what if these hobgoblins on the end of cultural appropriation and... <laughs> they don't know I'm doing it yet <laughs> alright right, okay <laughs> yeah, you're disguised as a as a hobgoblin, but not. It's worth pointing out a hobgoblin that these guys know. <laughs> <laughs> they look at you a little bit confused, um, and they go, "Why'd you come here?" I'm. Um, what are you talking about? I've known you all your life. <laughs> and then I point it. And then I point at one of the other hobgoblins and go. That guy's a that guy's a, a shapeshifter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the real um, Davy Hobgoblin. <laughs> they all look around confused and they go, "You part of the curse?" No, no, no. I mean, it's the it's the curse that's causing a, a replica of Davy to be sitting with you guys, kidding on your money is. <laughs> it's the curse that's causing these frying pans and kitchen implements to start floating around the place. Nothing to do with me. They look at you and they go, "Look, we don't want it." Trouble, we just want to get out of here. Can you get us out of here? I mean, the front the front door's locked solid with some sort of magical power. So yeah, I think I might need your help. They go, they, they look amongst themselves and they go, there's, there's monsters everywhere. There's, they're trying to kill us. The cook was trying to kill us. We had to come and hide in here. <laughs> look, I've, I've got a pal here that's a union rep. He's told us that, he's told us that even though we might be weak individually, and if we, you know, if we work together, we could possibly be more than the sum of our parts. Uh, what do you think? The, the hobgoblins are starting to look a bit agitated. Um, and they, they're continuing to talk about how everyone's trying to kill them uh, and that they're just trying to get out of here. Um, so they're, they're starting to get a little bit panicked. They haven't kicked off yet, but it looks like they might need a wee bit of, a wee bit of calming down. I'm not sure this gambit has quite paid off. <laughs> we... Only want to get out as well. Um, we've got half a key here. I'm I'm demonstrating that I trust you by telling you about this. I reckon we could maybe find the other half of this key, and it might lead to some sort of way out. But as my friend was just saying, and I'm I'm beaming with pride, Jailer, gesturing Jailer. towards him. 
<laughs> as no, we're all friends now. We're all in this together, right? We need to muck together and try and sort out this cost business, find the key or whatever. And, and do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get on my knees and bell my chest at them and say, look, if we've not got trust in this thing, you may as well just fucking stab me. <laughs> Bit melodramatic for me. Can you, uh, can you make a um, <laughs> etiquette check for me, please? Yes. <laughs> right, so I've rolled a nine, which my skill is seven and my etiquette is two. So that's equal, so that, that counts. Yes! <laughs> One of the hobgoblins stands up from the back of the room and walks towards you and he says Hanka sit up, sick of sitting around waiting to die Hanka will go yes. with you <laughs> that's me I like it my man oh and I've got whiskey do you want a drink of whiskey whiskey for, for everybody for all, for all who join our, our band <laughs> do you want to take a sip of whiskey um, um, I'll, take I'll take another swig aye Hanka takes it and takes a, a, a swig and wipes his wipes his mouth and he doesn't say anything but he just kind of gives you a little nod well, as, as my view still obscured by the darkness of the room um, in terms of the, the, the hobgoblins can we see them perfectly or you, well so the, there's the, the light in the inn is coming from kind of holes in the in the building because it's so kind of it, it's really kind of dilapidated it is and there is light now coming in from both sides because the back of this storeroom is similarly has been kind of was broken down and then repaired, but there does appear to be there's still quite a lot of kind of gaps and, and cracks in it, uh, and you can there's there's rain coming in through them and wind and you can you can see that it's still kind of stormy and raging outside. Have the rest of the hobgoblins? Um, they're they're not going to try to attack us or anything, but it seems as if only this Hanka is up for for joining us. Hanka's the Hanka's coming with you he wants to sort shit out the rest of them have just kind of started cowering back into the storeroom and are scrabbling about with the provisions that they've got right well we'll we'll report back if we if we find anything else out lads hanker's going to come with us um yeah and you guys hold yeah. the fort um ignore the fact that i called one of your crew a, a doppelganger <laughs> misunderstanding <laughs> on my part <laughs> All right. As you're as you're saying this, as you're leaving out, one of the uh, one of the hobgoblins actually does does just shout up because we hear screaming upstairs every night, like someone having a terrible dream. And the body under the sheet in the room that looks like a surgery is a man who will kill, and you should hit him first or just leave him alone. And then he goes back to his little corner. Right. I, I reckon we we go and check out this mystery corpse. And what, what do you reckon, Hanker? Uh, Hanker just gives you another little nod, and he goes, "I'm with you." <laughs> I've I've got to say I'm I'm liking this Hank fella. Um, should sh- we should we wander upstairs then, gents? Yeah. Alright, let's do it. That brings us to the end of part one of this Dungeons and Dafties adventure. What will the lads find upstairs in the haunted inn? We've got a wee programming break for you here while we are busy with some other stuff. But the second part of this session will be uploaded in about two weeks' time and then we'll be back with your regular Mince and Totties Dynamite Neddy episodes talking about the old games and whatnot again. So apologies if you're not a big fan of the role-playing episodes. Actually, fuck you. 
No, just kidding. Um, we will have uh, the next episode after this will be another one. And thanks again to Leo Glaster for hosting this adventure. And thanks very much for listening. Um, as I say, you can catch the second part next time on Dynamite Neddy, where we'll be doing a wee bit more ghost busting. That's all. Just had to put something a wee bit, a wee bit here in at the end, so that it wasn't just an awkward, abrupt cut off. See you later.